I had a mentor that owned over a hundred homes. He was a DECA millionaire. He basically allowed me to work for free, which was one of the main lessons in Rich Dad, Poor Dad. If you read it again, the rich don't work to earn, they work to learn. He allowed me to learn from him. And I started buying rental homes one or two a year for those 13 years in the same subdivisions that he owned homes in. And then when I got into my mid thirties, early thirties, mid thirties, I pretty much had bought during the recession. And then when the recession ended and my homes had appreciated, the cash flow had appreciated. As Dave Ramsey says, the boat was close to the dock. So I made the jump to start my own real estate investment firm full time. What's up, friends? Welcome back to the Carrot Top podcast. I'm your host, Carrot Top. We're here to fill the top of your funnel with the highest quality motivated seller leads. No, this is the Carrotcast podcast. We're talking about online marketing, lead generation, and I just get bored of doing the same intro every other week, man. I just, I can't do it. I can't do the canned intro every time. Anyways, what if you popped a picture of the comedian Carrot Top up? Like, would that be something fresh you could do I, next time? I don't know if fresh would be an interesting choice of words. We might lose all of our, our YouTube audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just that, just that strong mental image of carrot top. He's good, yeah. man. He wasn't that good. Oh no, he not ever was still around though. Still, still going yeah. hard. I I'm more of a pass. Brian Regan and Jim Gaffigan kind of fan. I'm a, I'm on a Nate Bargetsy thing right now. Oh, Nate Bargetsy. He's funny. He's so good. simple. I saw him live in Augusta two months ago. It was cool. Did you? Oh, he's good, yeah. man. Well, anyways, uh, I'm here with my friend Paul, and it's negotiation uh, month, deal closers month at Carrot. So if you go to carrot.com slash close, we've got some fresh content about sales negotiation, how to close deals, uh, follow up, all of those topics. So that's what we're talking about. And I brought on my friend Paul. I'll introduce in just a second. Um, but Paul is doing some really interesting, unique things with agents and he's closing a ton of deals by talking to agents. And I know because I've talked to a lot of y'all that listen to this podcast, you're throwing away leads that you shouldn't be throwing away. And you're also missing out on leads by not partnering up with agents. I'm not even going to try and go on a spiel and convince you that you have to be hybrid and they have to get your license. But I just, my goal with this episode is to help share uh, what Paul's doing, let him talk about what he's doing, how he's working with agents. So maybe you can just see what else is out there and, you know, maybe add another source of lead gen to your business and uh, do a few things differently because he's doing some really uh, innovative stuff in the investor space. So, um, Paul, welcome. Welcome to the Carrot Cast, not the Carrot Top Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of ironic being on here after having just been in Roseburg, Oregon hanging out with you and everybody in person. Yeah. Um, but now I'm back in Augusta and we're connecting again just a week later. So it's almost deja vu, man. I, um, I just got back from San Antonio myself as soon as carrot camp ended, which if y'all haven't heard of carrot camp, carrotcamp.com, it's our mastermind. We run a couple times a year. So Paul came out for mm -hmm. that. I went to San Antonio right after that and, um, was there for an event that we sponsored, came back out to Oregon. And it was interesting. I was talking to uh, a lot of people there and, um, the funny thing was I'm hearing more people talk about, uh, I, I just asked people, Hey, what are you doing for marketing right now? Where do you get your leads? And I had a, a more people than, man, than I've ever heard come up to me and say, yeah, I'm actually getting a lot of leads from agents. Like, yeah. And some of them would say, I've been hearing what y'all been talking about doing the hybrid model and I'm just getting leads from agents and it's easier. 
and yeah. it doesn't cost any money. I mean, nothing's really free, but like compared to, you know, a lot of the other alternatives, like it's cheap, man. Yeah. So anyways, um, we'll cut to the, we'll cut the chit chat, man. What do you, so t- let's give people some context. Uh, where are your deals coming from right now? If you could break it down for me. Uh, yeah. Where are you getting all your leads and deals right now, man? We, um, we're probably 50% direct to seller and 50% direct to agent. Um, okay. so our direct to seller deals come from predominantly postcards through deal machine. Mm-hmm. And of course our carrot website, um, we get occasional, uh, web forms there. Um, texting and ringless voicemails. Um, we've kind of toggle on and off depending on the quarter. And then we do some cold knocking for what we would consider like highly, highly motivated or highly distressed properties. Mm. And um, that kind of wraps up the direct to seller vein, the direct Mm -hmm. to agent vein, although I don't like to call it direct to agent or agent outreach, but so there's a weird it's, vibe to it, but yeah, it's, it's what, it is. what I have always called it is relationships with agents or RWA. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what I've called myself as RWA guy. It, and that's really because there are a lot of people that go out, go after listed properties, which we do that too. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. We're, we, we buy listed properties every quarter. Uh, but once you graduate from that, if that's like freshman year, senior year of, of college or high school is when you don't go after listed properties and compete with all the other investors, but an agent brings you a deal directly because your relationship with them is so in, intertwined. Um, and then you essentially get an exclusive look. The agent gets to double dip and be on both sides of the commission, maybe even triple dip if you fix and flip it and relist it with them. And then, um, you know, it's a free lead source. So that's kind of a direct to seller versus direct agent. We do both and we do, um, you know, probably 30 homes a year in both segments. Okay. Yeah. So you got half of it's coming from relationships you've, you've built and are still building with agents mm-hmm. and the other half, just to recap, you're doing a little bit of SEO PPC, you're getting some leads there and then, uh, mm-hmm. you're supplementing as needed with some of the cold call and ringless voicemail. The direct to seller agent we call all of those leads paid leads yeah um which we're and we're actively starting a new we're six weeks into doing um google ppc with bateman Mm -hmm. collective and doing some facebook stuff with them so all that is in the paid leads bucket um from a commission perspective for our acquisitions managers in the uh, relationships with agents bucket you have other things that aren't really um associated with agents but they're free um, and those would be joint venture opportunities. If someone brings you a deal, but they don't have a buyer for it, um, that would, could be considered a JV where, you know, we might bring a buyer and split the fee 50-50. Or another one would be foreclosure auctions and tax lien auctions. So mm-hmm. we've kind of become, we're probably like, uh, we're not a good example for new investors to like model because yeah. we have so many shiny objects. But honestly, I've been in the game for, coming up 20 years. And so I just, it's easy for me to provide as many tools for my three acquisition managers to make as much money as possible. And so that's what I'm interested in is I don't want to get distracted by shiny objects, but we, we manage our return on ad spend closely and um, feel like we can give, we want to give our acquisition managers as many tools as possible. Mm, 
Yeah, I like that, man. You mentioned something interesting. You know, this might not be ideal for uh, a newer investor starting out. Let's give people some context real quick. Um, what was your background uh, coming into investing? What what yeah. did you do that positioned you well for this? Because nobody, yeah. I, I don't feel like investors just like, usually it's like wholesaling, learning how to cold call. And it's like, it's the same path for nine out of 10 people. Yeah, I was the one out of 10. I've kind of had a unique story. My granddad gave me Rich, Rich Dad Poor Dad when I was a sophomore at the University of Georgia, which mm -hmm. I'll commonly refer to as the promised land yeah. <laughs> in Athens, Georgia. Um, but I read that book and I was like, okay, I'm definitely going real estate for me the rest of my life. And that was when I was 20 years old. I'm 38 today. Um, so then I graduated college, got the corporate job, was worked in corporate America for 13 years. And I'll fast forward just to not bore everyone with my story. But along my 13 years, I didn't have a clue what wholesaling was, nor did I care about it. I had an, a mentor that owned over 100 homes. He was a DECA millionaire, hmm. which means his net worth was over $10 million. And he basically allowed me to work for free, which was one of the... Um, one of the main lessons in Rich Dad Poor Dad, if you read it again, the rich don't work to to earn, they work to learn. And yeah. so that's what I focused on with that mentor. And um, he he allowed me to learn from him. And I started buying rental homes one or two a year for those 13 years in the same subdivisions that he owned homes in, which were nicer subdivisions. It was like B plus to A minus class assets. And then when I got into my mid thirties, early thirties, mid thirties, I pretty much had bought during the recession, 2009 to 13, especially, and um, bought in really good areas. And then when the, when the recession ended and my homes had appreciated, the cash flow had appreciated. And then I was my, my, as Dave Ramsey says, the boat was close to the dock. So yeah. I made the jump to, to do, to start my own real estate investment firm um, full time. Uh, that was three years ago. So November of 2020, I started Myers House Buyers here in Augusta, Georgia. I like that, man. I, I can appreciate your journey, and it's it seems a lot more. I don't know if you're if you're a patient guy, but at least from outside looking in, it sounds a little bit more patient, a little more calculated than the traditional uh, someone like myself or a lot of our audience who's like go getter, entrepreneur, full of ambition, just like leave my job today and start the next thing tomorrow and just grind it out. You know, yeah. Took the time to learn from someone, so I could appreciate that. Yeah, I don't know. I I just kind of grew up in, I guess, a middle class upbringing and kind of was just naturally a little bit risk averse. Yeah. So for me, my borrowing was always traditional conventional mortgages, never any balloons or arms. Mm -hmm. And which I think is wise, by the way, I think I would commend that to people. Yep. Um, and then my wife and I were both just hard workers. We both had the same vision. We were kind of united on that front of um, the old Dave Ramsey quote, let's live like no one else today through sacrifice so that later we can live like no one else. Oh, yeah. it's live. I thought it was give. Yeah. 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 I remember. And now. give. He's got the give too. live like yeah. no one else. So you can give like no one else, but also live like no one else today. So you can live like no one else tomorrow. And I love that. We wanted to have a big family. We've got four kids. So the idea of being financially free in our late thirties, when our kids are hitting middle school and hitting high school and it was something that we just said, man, we'd rather sacrifice when they're toddlers mm -hmm. and make money and save, you know, we saved about 53% of all of our take home pay for on average over 13 years. And 
you know, we just, just chunked all that into rental properties one by one. That's awesome, man. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing your, your humble beginnings there. Um, so tell me about this, uh, this thing with agents. So let's do this. Do you mind if we just role play it? Yeah, let's do it. I love it. Okay. So Um, when, when you role played this at carrot camp, uh, I think Trevor played, uh, the female agent because we know that, you know, real estate agents is female dominated. That's right. I want to, I want to be, let's change it up. Can I be, uh, John, the 19 year old that just got out of high school and my uncle yeah. said, hey, come be an agent and I just got my license. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that. So I'll be me calling on you, John, the 19 year old agent. So, okay. Sounds good. All right. Ring, ring. Hey, Hey John. Hello. Hey, it's Paul Myers, Myers house buyers. Did I catch you at a bad time? Uh, I'm actually, I'm recording a podcast right now, but uh, hang on. Let me tell this guy to hang on one sec. Uh, okay. We're good now. We're good. Are I you got, sure? I, got, man? I don't mind calling back. Uh, no, I can hit pause. He's all right. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I, no, I, I'm just kidding. I got a few minutes. Okay, cool. Well, hey, purpose of my call is two reasons. Um, the first is I just want to introduce myself uh, and figure out if there's a way that we could work together on any deals in the future. Uh, maybe share with you a little bit about my buy box. Um, that makes sense. Um, yeah, you said deals. Are you an agent? I am technically a licensed agent, but I really all all I do is invest. Hmm. Uh, last year, our firm here in Augusta bought sixty four homes, and uh, we like to focus on the investment side of the business and honestly allow you to represent us. That way, you can make the maximum commission possible per deal. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. What did you mention about your buy box? Yeah. Any, any of the 10 zip codes here in the central Savannah river area of Augusta is Mm -hmm. where we would like to be geographically. Um, and then from a price range, we'll do anything from zero to a million dollars. Uh, our rentals, we like to keep under the resale price of 300. So if a home gets above that, we don't want to keep it as a rental, but we'll just fix and flip it. But our biggest project we've done is about 775,000. So um so that's kind of the price range we're looking for. That makes sense? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so you're keeping your eye out for, you know, just good flips, good investment opportunities. Yeah. And if you um you come across anything that's listed, you know, feel free to always just send us a buyer brokerage agreement and you can represent us and and get a buy side commission. But if you got a seller, especially if it's a distressed home or a distressed situation and it's either your seller or your listing, John, um, feel free to give us a ring and just know that as long as you're comfortable with it, you can always write our offer and be on both sides of the transaction as well. I like that. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, yeah. And if we do decide we're going to fix and flip the property, we'll also relist the property with you. And generally, we find that on the relist side, once we get the home professionally staged, and it's been fully renovated, the list commission ends up being more than the first two commissions combined. So that can be a, be an opportunity for you as well. Oh, so you guys have your own flipping crew. You can do the flip and all that, and that way I can get the relist it. That's right. That's right. You just okay. let us know what you what you're going to charge as a relist commission on the front end, so we can underwrite that into our uh, offer. Okay, nice. I like that. Well, I appreciate it, man. Let me let me ask you this: Do you know of any good deals right now? Um, no, not at the moment. It's been a while. I just started out, just got my license, but I know every once in a while, you know, I'll come across leads where I'm like, I don't like, I can't list this. I don't you know, it's just not worth the headache for me personally. Sure. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'd like to be an easy button for you when you come across those situations. 
Um, but listen, I know you weren't expecting my call. So why don't we do this? I'll connect with you on Facebook or LinkedIn just so you can put a face to a name if that works for you. Yeah. And then um, since I know you're you're occupied right now, why don't I just send you a follow-up text message so you can lock me into your cell phone as an investor? And mm-hmm. um, if you come across anything, you never hesitate to give me a call. Call me anytime. And then uh, lastly, I'll just shoot you an email. What's your email? Uh, Brady at carrot.com. Okay. I'll shoot you an email with that buy box that I shared with you over the phone. Just that way you don't have to remember it right now. I've got a little PDF flyer. I can attach it to my email. And that way um, you also have my contact information in your email as well. That sound good? Okay. Yeah, that sounds good, man. I appreciate that. I'll save you on my phone next time I get one of those weird deals, uh, one of those weird properties that comes up. I'll let you know, man. Okay. And hey, one other thing, John, I was just thinking about this too. Um, A third thing that I typically talk to agents about is sometimes I find that they're frustrated because they've got either their investors or they have investor clients. And as they're serving themselves as a principal investor or their investor client, they may find that the inventory on the MLS isn't sufficient to satisfy their appetite or their investor client's appetite. I don't know Mm -hmm. your world, but is that something that you or your investor clients are struggling with in, in terms of deal flow? Yeah, I would say, yeah, not enough properties out there. Yeah. Well, if you ever want to supplement that uh, with some off-market deal flow, we do sometimes pass along our deals. If we've got too much going on or too much capital deployed elsewhere, we have this list we call our investor partner list, or you might hear it called a cash buyer list. Mm. And we can put you on that as an agent. And you'll get some deals, maybe one or two a, a week. And if there's something that you want or your investor client wants, that, that'd be another way you could make a commission or make money as a principal investor yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to own a rental property someday. So yeah, I'd okay. like to keep my eyes peeled, man. Okay, well, good. Well, I'll put your email on that list as well and uh, look forward to doing business with you. Okay, thanks, Paul. Appreciate it, man. We'll talk All soon. All right, talk soon, John. Thanks, bye. All right, bye. That's weird. Uh, John's email is brady at carrot.com. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) That's good. I like that. I like that, man. Builds a lot of trust. I really like how you came with your numbers fully dialed in, fully prepared instead of like, it would be good if you just called, Hey, I'm just want to introduce myself, just let you know who I am and then drop the conversation there. That's not bad. But it was so specific. It just like, I can see these numbers in my head. I can see your buy box mm-hmm. in my head. I'm like, okay, I'm going to remember this because he came prepared. It's different. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So the, kind of the three things I hit you with was, number one, here's my buy box. And that way you kind of understand, okay, this is, this is not a newbie investor. He, he knows his stuff. He's bought homes before. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to establish my bona fides, if you will. Yeah. Um, I hate to have to do that, but everyone's skeptical when they get a cold call out of nowhere that they weren't expecting. Oh, for sure. Um, then the second thing I did with you was just to get uh, to ask you point blank the the age old Gary Keller question that he mentions in the Millionaire Real Estate Investor, which is, do you know of any good deals? So if you're having a conversation with an agent and you don't get that question out of your mouth at some point during the conversation, you're potentially missing out. It's also a pattern interrupt that gets them to start thinking actively and engaging in the conversation, which you did that. Yeah. And then the third thing I did was, um, well, I also got permission to connect with you further via text message, email, and social media connection. So when I hit you with a Facebook friend request or a LinkedIn connection, uh, you're not going to be surprised by it. 
you're going to say, oh, this isn't a stalker guy. This is Paul Myers. I just got off the phone with him. I know who this, I know who this guy is. Um, and then you'll, you'll get a picture of me and it'll stab, establish some facial recognition for you. Uh, yeah. And then go ahead. Oh, no, I was I was just thinking in my head, that's huge too, because I mean, how many times have, has somebody important called you and you're like, man, I need to call this person back and you're going through your recents at a thousand yep. phone numbers and you're like, ah, you know, but if they've sent you on thing on Facebook, boom, locked in. Yeah, I've got a little script I text when I get off the phone uh, with an agent and the text messages pretty much just says something like, thanks for taking my call, enjoyed our conversation. Please keep me in mind as a resource. Dash Paul Myers, Myers House Buyers. So then, then we have a, a new text history in our iPhones um, for future reference. If I if I text them in the future, yeah, they can also lock me in as an investor. So that's my goal is that they would save my number in their phone. Mm. Made a lot of money that way. Um, then also the permission to email. So I hit them with an email and I attach a flyer that has picture of me. You could put a credibility packet if you want to share a letter of recommendation from your closing attorney, your certificates of organization, a proof of funds, Google reviews, you know, all, all those types of things that would build credibility for an investor. You could share any of those in that email packet that you attach. Also the buy box flyer, if you don't text it to them. I've got my buy box flyer in a little JPEG image in my favorites on my camera roll. So yeah. I can text that real quick. But you could also put it in uh, in the credibility packet or have it as a separate flyer. It just depends on what you want. Nice. Um, so follow up email and then um, Facebook, LinkedIn, connecting there. And um, it's just kind of like you kind of like you're being with a seller. It's like being omnipresent. You know, you want to hit them in all the different channels that, that are possible. Yeah. Because, I mean, you got to understand agents are busy. Like you called them oh, right man. when you're driving from one listing appointment to an open house. Like. They don't know who you are. They're not going to remember. Don't think of yourself in such a high and lofty way that they're going to remember the conversation. Like assume they're going to forget and right. do everything you can that they will, so they'll actually remember you. Mm, I like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Especially agents, man. They got so much going on. Yeah, don't expect that. Um, I I appreciate that, and I feel like that gives people a really good overview of like the whole thing, how it works. I feel like at this point. Mm -hmm. Someone's going to decide like, okay, I can, I was going to ask you like, how long does this take? But like the people that are going to latch onto it, like, it doesn't matter how much time it takes. Like, this is a good way to get more deals. Yeah. The, the full conversation with you is probably a three to five minute conversation. Yeah. And then the follow-up actions afterwards are about four to five minutes. So in all, you should be able to, if you've never called on an agent before, you, it should take you about nine minutes. That nine minutes is putting them in your cell phone. Not a notice. I didn't say robo dialer. I didn't say mm -hmm. all rail. I said put them in your cell phone, like you would want to be put in someone's cell phone. Okay, I don't blast agents. Like that's not part of what we do. We we yeah. call them directly. It's relationship building for real. Yeah. This is relationships with agents. Okay, so yeah. number one, put them in your cell phone. Two, make the call. Three, put them in your CRM and add them to the appropriate list. We send a newsletter to agents, so we add them to that list. Four, make a note about how the conversation went. Like you were very open-minded. You're 19 year old John. You just got your license. You were super open to the conversation, to working together. Not all agents are. Some write you off. Some are too busy. So just putting a little note in the CRM. We use ActiveCampaign.com. Okay. Um, so if you want to, uh, if you want to connect on, on. Why I use Active Campaign, you can just text me. My personal cell phone 
for your audience is 706-294-7343. And then um, I send the text message. I send the LinkedIn and the Facebook. I have to search them and then send them an invite to connect. And then I send them an email. All that's about nine minutes. Mm, Okay. I like that. So I got two questions for you on that. So um, where where are you finding agents? And then secondly, just in case I forget after that is, what are you doing to automate this, like to follow up? Because if you're hitting lots of agents, this could quickly get out of control. But anyways, where where are you finding agents? It has. It has gotten out of control. <laughs> um, you're like, I don't so, have it figured out. I need- <laughs> yeah. When I started doing this, I got tired of spending 180 grand a year on marketing and postcards mm. and stuff. And so yeah. I was like, man, I uh, looked back at 2021 and I had these three agents that just called me and they're like, Hey Paul, I know you're an investor. This home's a no brainer. You need to buy it. So I took their call. They called me. I didn't call them. And I bought those three homes and um, I made $95,000 on those three homes. Dang and that. so for me, I had been, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of dumb. I'm a little slow, but for 15 years from 20, 2007 to 2021, I had been buying homes from agents. Like that's how I got started was buying bank owned REOs and double dipping with the listing agent. Mm-hmm. So I've, and I've been an agent since 2006, not as a, my occupation, yeah. but just licensed. Yeah. And so um, it was really for me, a return to number one, a move away from high cost marketing spend and a move towards uh, no cost marketing and high net profit. Um, per deal. So um, that's kind of how I how I got started in that vein. So the well, first thing I did, you're wondering, how did I scale this? Because there are 2,000 agents in my market and you can't have a relationship with every one of them, as you can imagine. So at first, I took the 100 agents that I personally knew and I called all of them, put them in my CRM. Then I expanded it out to the other, uh, basically, there are another 400 that d- hadn't even done a deal. So I didn't spend any time on them. So that left about 1500 that I needed to build a relationship with. So I just called every single one of them one by one mm-hmm. and went through them all, you know, and it takes three, six, nine months, depending on how diligent you are and how much time you allocate. Yeah. Then I put them all in my CRM and I, I refuse to automate follow-up. So the only way that I, to answer your question, the only way that I um, follow up with agents is I, surprise, surprise, provide them value on a monthly basis in the form of an agent newsletter. Hmm. So I personally write the agent newsletter. Notice I said personally, because yep. it's a relationship. So I write the newsletter. I don't have, I don't use chat GPT. I don't use AI to write my newsletter. Like none of that. I write it personally. I talk about- You read my, my mind. I was just about to say, are you using chat GPT to shortcut it? No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't use chat GPT in any way. This is all personal. Um. I mean, listen, I've got a brain. Your audience has a brain. I mean, ChatGPT is good. You know, we're all better critics than authors. So it's good to have something originate content for us. And you want to use that fine, but like, don't hesitate to like come up with things on your own. You know, it's, it's okay to do that. Yeah. Um, and so I send this newsletter out. Now I just sent out my September newsletter two days ago. I sent it to uh, 1600 agents in my market. And within eight hours, I had a 45% open rate. So that was like 750 agents that stopped what they were doing, opened the email for me, read the email, 
got some type of benefit from my content because I've been doing it now for 21 months in a row, yeah. uh, consistently sending out a monthly newsletter. And so they're reading about deals that I'm doing and um, stories that I'm telling. I tell deal stories in my newsletter, which are entertaining. Um, I told a, well, I won't get into that, but so that's how I, I still scaled through the newsletter, but it's not, I haven't lost the personal touch. Yeah. And so it's interesting because, you know, like, how did you automate it? It was different than what I thought. I was thinking, you know, most people's responsibility, well, I put them in this drip campaign, they get these nine emails and this, but it, it, it is nope. a way to automate it, but it's still, in, it, it's personally automating it, which I right. don't often hear about. So I really like yeah. that. We don't automate texting and we don't automate yeah. cold calling into robo dialing. Like those, that's where you lose the personal touch and text messages get sent from you or a team member at your company that don't connect with the mm -hmm. agent. And so the moment that happens, you start to lose credibility and trust. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, man, you talk to anyone who runs a newsletter and it's like consistency is, is the biggest thing too. Like eh, anyone can send one email, even three, five emails, but like you've been keeping this up month after month. It's like, okay, this guy's for reals. Um, yeah. One thing I think would be interesting to see uh, is I, I'm just curious, maybe someday we'll catch up. Is like, how many, how many people are Googling Myers house buyers compared to like your average, you know, investor? Um, you know, we talk about evergreen marketing all the time and it's like, we're always talking about it in the context of SEO and content online, but like this is content and, you know, physical content in real life, building relationships with agents. and um, you know, when you're making cold calls, whether it's to sellers or agents, you're like, who are Myers house buyers? Okay. You know, jot it down, write it down. Okay. And then there, uh, I would bet a good chunk of them are Googling you to find out if you're legitimate. And so, yeah, they could, agents could do that. I would be, I don't, I don't know if disappointed is the right word, but my carrot site is built for direct to seller outreach. So if an agent were to go to MyersHouseBuyers.com and look at it, they could check the profile and read a little bit about myself and my team members. But beyond that, the 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 website is mostly a landing page for for sellers that want to sell directly. So um, that'd be an interesting thing to research. Yeah, I think. Well, I think it's. Um, I think it's important. I don't think it would. I mean, you would know better than I do. I don't think it would turn away most agents. You might have some be like, "Oh, this is a different messaging than what I was expecting," but even just having your credibility in your reviews on there, and even just having that existence, having that credibility yeah. profile on your website, say, "Oh, okay, he is legitimate." It's almost yeah. like a, not like going down the rabbit hole, but like a pass or fail. Okay. I found him online. He is who he says he is. And he's got reviews. He's talking to sellers. He has closed deals. This guy knows what yeah. he's doing. So it's interesting you bring this up, Brady, because I didn't think we would talk about this, but I had sent, I don't know, 12, 15 newsletters. And I kept telling the same story, which was Susie Q brought me a deal off market. I let Susie Q write my offer. Susie Q made 6% instead of three. Myers House Buyers closed with, closed with cash in two weeks. And it was a win, win, win. Mm. I kept telling that story over and over. And finally, um, it just sounded like a broken record. So then what I started doing was inserting other stories into my newsletter. Like Paul Myers went to a foreclosure auction. 
and Paul Myers bought two homes there and he had to pay cash and he had to, he had to bring the cash within two hours of the winning bid being issued. <laughs> and, and then I started telling some direct to seller stories in my agent newsletter. And I was hesitant to do that because I thought you're not going to care about that. They really only care about like agent deals. Yeah. But I think, I think that the audience has been, um, well, based on the open open rate, which is all I have to to go off of, people have really enjoyed those direct to seller stories. So I've started to take those direct to seller stories and bake them into my agent newsletter, which mm. it just still. I was afraid agents would be like, "Paul buys homes directly from sellers." Like, I thought he was committed to agents, but I mean, the truth of the matter is, I do. I'll buy any home. You know, it doesn't matter where it came from. It just yeah. matters if it makes sense financially. So. Um, mm. it's been, it's been a good, I would encourage your audience if they have a business model similar to mine to, you know, cross those, um, those two worlds and tell some direct to seller stories to your agent because they'll, they'll take them in their mind and they'll think, do I have a client that's going through distress or do I have a home that's distressed and maybe yeah. Paul can help. I like that, man. You know, one of my favorite quotes is I once heard Brendan Burchard say, uh, people get paid for their perspective. You don't get paid for what you do. You work on you get mm-hmm. paid for your perspective. And I think that applies. You're able to see deals uh, and properties creatively through a different lens than a lot of agents. And so I think that's attractive to agents like, oh, I never would have thought about doing my marketing this way. I never would have thought about looking at the house with this deal this way. So mm-hmm. I, I think as an agent, I think that's fascinating. And you're showing up in their inbox differently than probably everyone else are subscribed to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the last thing I did in our cold call, I don't know if you you remember this, but um, I kind of touched on what's happened to me a lot, which is you'll find a lot of investors that are invest, or excuse me, a lot of agents that are investing agents and they wouldn't maybe give you a deal. They might have a, a, a mentality of scarcity and they wouldn't give you a deal mm, because they think yeah. they would take every deal for themselves. And that's perfectly fine. I just transitioned my script in my call with them and I changed the conversation to, Hey, you know, we've actually supplied deals to agents or to agents of the client, the investor client of the agent. So, so if I stop you, so if I stop you dead in tracks, I was like, dude, I'm an investor. I'm, I'm locking down my own properties. I don't need a, I don't need no investor. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And you would, yeah, you would, you would finish that by saying, why would I give you a deal if if I'm an investor too? Mm -hmm. Then I'd say, Hey, that makes perfect sense. I don't think you should. And Hey, by the way, what's your, what's your buy box, John slash Brady? (laughs) (laughs) Because and then we reverse the conversation and I ask you a little bit about what's your price range and what's your zip codes and geography? Where do you like, where have you done fix and flips? Yeah. Where, where do you own rentals? And then, then I'm serving you and the roles have been reversed. And now I'm functioning as a buyer's agent slash, you know, reseller, a whole wholesaling to you. And they don't, they don't really understand that, but you're giving them what they really want, which is a discounted property in an area that they, they like. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. That's a good way to pivot too. You know, yeah. you're still getting something out of it other than, oh, okay, sorry to bug you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, listen, that pivot of the conversation has helped me build even deeper relationships because then agents don't think I'm just trying to call them for a deal. They think that a Paul might give me a deal. And and I've done that many times. I've I've sold tons of properties to agents. I've sold tons of properties to agents investor clients and let the agent get a commission and their investor client gets a good deal. So 
I'm, I'm just trying to build a relationship, man. Like whatever way it goes, I'm fine with that. Yeah. But I want to be mentally trained to pivot the conversation, uh, depending on the, the scarcity mentality or whatever that, that agent might be thinking in their mind. I'm here to serve them. So whatever yeah. direction they want to take it, I'm prepared. I like that, man. So this is a good segue to my last question on the marketing side of things. One thing we we're talking about before we record. And then after that, I'm going to throw you a curveball for the rest of the interview, man, for the next, I don't know, 10-ish minutes. Um, Google reviews. Yeah. That's my question. <laughs> Tell me about it. You've got 500 some odd Google reviews right now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so quick context. We learned recently that, you know, zero to 30, basically getting th up to 30 Google reviews on your, uh, you know, on your Google business page is huge. And then past 30, it's, uh, it tends to be diminishing returns, but also in crowded markets, it can still take getting more and more reviews to build credibility and, and climb the ranks of, you know, Google specifically for your Google business profile. And so, um, see a lot of benefit from getting consistently fresh reviews and from just getting that number higher and higher up. So it's just mm -hmm. irrefutable proof, irrefutable yeah. credibility. When people find right. it, it's like, holy cow. You know, I looked up a restaurant last week. I typed best Mexican food in San Antonio. First one had 3,000. The third one had 4,000. The middle one had 8,000. I was like, right. bam, we're going to Casa de Rio. 8,000 exactly. reviews. Didn't even have to click a research. I was like, that's who I'm going with. That's so, right. That is you in Augusta, Georgia. That's right. How are you getting these reviews? Well, I think all of it starts with being a, a man of your word. So mm. do what you say you're going to do and be that way 100% of the time. You know, if you, if you say you're going to do something, just follow through with it. And that, that's kind of, I don't know, something that I've always prioritized in my life. So when I figured out what a Google My Business profile was in May of 2022 and realized that this is something that I should probably prioritize for my company uh, because it is a public facing thing and it's third party social proof that, as you said, is irrefutable. You know, why not prioritize it? I'm, I'm a big believer in sweat equity and, and putting in the work. So if it just takes work, I'm not afraid of work. I'll go, I'll go just work hard and make it happen. So, um, so I've done that over, over the last year and a half and, and I'm, I'm grateful that we, we do have, I've never heard of another real estate investment firm in the USA that has more than us. I think we have 538. So if you're watching this and you want to rip off our profile, I would encourage you to open the Google maps app on your iPhone and just search Myers house buyers, Myers, M Y E R S house, not home buyers. And then we should pop up in Augusta, Georgia. Our office location is 118 Davis Road. So, okay. Um, go I was ahead. Just, while you were saying that, I was just Googling real quick. I'm like, okay, who off the top of my head might be able to compete? Brad Chandler, we had on the podcast recently, longtime friend of Carrot with Express Home Buyers. He's in the mm -hmm. DC area. Yep. He's, he's got 116, which still is like probably quintuple the average number of reviews for, uh, That's right. for an investor. But yeah, the most I've ever seen is I've seen a couple people just under 150. Um, so yeah, we I've just made it a priority. I've had several team members over the years that have that are over the time we've been focused on that have helped me as well. 
um, prioritize it. So if you have a team, I would get them involved. Um, I don't pay for any reviews. I've never paid for a single review. I don't do anything like that. I always just ask people where we said we were going to do something and we delivered. And so we essentially have proved ourselves as a credible resource. Um, yeah. And that's, that's when I ask a review. I try and make it extremely easy on the person I'm asking. So I text the Google review link. If it's an elderly person, I have a little set of instructions in my notes app that I copy and paste out of my net notes app. I'll also help people do it. Um, so hmm. we've just I've brainstormed lists of hundreds of people that I've, I've served or helped in some way and, and been consistent at asking. Uh, so yeah, hopefully we'll, in 2020, I think 2025, I'm trying to remember back to our vivid vision. Hopefully by 2025, we'll be the first firm to have 3,000 Google reviews. This would be my long-term goal. Mm, I like that, man. That's crazy. And I can't wait to see it. When you do, we'll bring you back on the, on the podcast. We have to. Let's do it. So Let's do we'll it. Do I'm a, in. We'll do a part two. Yeah. And the, the, it's also, I mean, not just being a person of your word, but also this, this is the bedrock. I, I would think you guys would agree. A website as well, but the bedrock for search engine optimization. So why not go ahead and establish a, a beachhead that is um, easy for people to access and find? And, and then in terms of thir third-party social proof, it's irrefutable. So why not give this as a tool to your team members to say, hey, you know, I don't know if this matters to you, but we do have this many Google reviews and some people don't care about that at all. But, you know, for you, it, it might make a, make a difference that other people have trusted us. I like that. I like how you give the team members uh, the link too. And it, for anyone listening to this, in case you missed it, because I've missed this before, Paul didn't say, tell people to go to Google and search for you and then leave them a review. You have to make it like foolproof, dummy proof. Give them yeah. a link. If you go to your, if, if you're signed in, you go to your Google business profile, there's three dots somewhere on there. You know, mm. give me my link to share, text them that link. So it's literally one tap, right. boom. And on their phone, it pops up. I can leave them a review. Don't go tell someone, Hey, just find me on Google. That, there's a 50, 50 chance you're going to find someone else. You got to make yeah. it foolproof. Yeah. The first, like literally this is, I'm ashamed to say this. The first 400 reviews I got by opening my Google maps app mm. and texting, sharing via text, my, the link to my Google, my business profile. Yeah. Well, the, that's actually not the best way to do it. The best way to do it is, is get a preset hyperlink straight from Google that yep. goes straight to the review page. Exactly. So that when they click on that link, it pulls up five stars in the comment box underneath it. That's mm -hmm. the easiest way. That Then no one has to click anything. They just click on your link, click how many stars, click a comment, and click post. And the box done. is open. So, Dude, you could get a... Um... I've been been in, using more QR codes lately. You could put a QR code on your back of your business card or something. Go straight to that we, that link. We have done that. Yeah, we did that oh, nice. with a company called Link L I N Q, and we yeah. created the link profile that with a QR code that goes straight to our Google review page. I'm oh, not. Nice. Yeah, it's okay. I'm not as big on that. I'm also not big on emailing people to ask them for reviews, like some companies do. Like most home inspectors do that. My big thing, if you haven't gotten this impression with me yet, is build relationships. When I say text message, I'm talking about Paul Myers right here, texting from my iPhone to your iPhone. Yeah. Texting Brady. If I've got Brady's cell phone number, I'm texting Brady. If I don't, I'm going to hit him in Voxer. I'm going to get him yeah. any way I, you know, any way I can. <laughs> I like that, man. <laughs> Persistent follow-up. That's right. Uh, okay. And so a lot of times, 
if I only have yeah. your email, like let's say I have your email, Brady at Karen.com, I'll email you and say, Hey Brady, um, I'd love to meet you at Carrot Camp. Looking forward to being on the podcast. Hey, um, would you mind emailing me your cell? I was curious if you might leave me a review um, and I can just text you the link. And then you'll email me back and you'll say, my cell phone is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then I'll text you the link. So I'm always trying to move away from email or Voxer, whatever the channel is, into direct cell phone, direct text. Because then ah, I can text you the link like and make that. it easy. Right, yeah. It, oh, it's so much easier. You're not getting the loss in the inbox anymore. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So for time's sake, got a few minutes here. Got a little bit of time. Uh, here's a curveball at Carrot Camp. Um, you mentioned something that really resonated with me that really spoke to me. Um, something changed in your life in the last few years that has, that I would say the way I would word it has given you a, a reverence for life mm -hmm. and yeah. a sense of urgency. Would you mind yeah. sharing that? Yeah. God uh, saw it fit in his sovereign plan to allow me to go through some major medical trials. And I had been monitoring my, uh, my bicuspid valve inside my heart, as well as my aortic root. And unfortunately, in the summer of 2021, so about a little over two years ago, my, um, my aorta got too large. And I went and had open heart surgery I actually flew up to cleveland clinic in cleveland ohio and had open heart surgery which if anyone's not familiar with that it's a very brutal surgery they do an incision on your chest they use a, a bone saw to saw your sternum bone in half and then they open the chest mm -hmm. cavity about eight inches so about right there and then they go in and they do their work um, for me i had my ascending aorta replaced completely and then i had my uh, my bicuspid valve stitched up. So the valve opens and closes like this. These are layman's terms here, of course. Yeah. And I had one side that was flapping in the wind and they stitched that up. Well, I thought I was good to go um, at that point, which is August, August 10th of 2021 was my first open heart surgery. Uh, but unfortunately, God, uh, God had different things planned for me and that, that uh, repair of my valve failed. And so I then um, had to have a second open heart surgery, which I would not wish, wish on my worst enemy. Um, but I had a second open heart surgery to replace my valve. So the second surgery, I got a mechanical valve installed uh, and I went on a blood thinner for the rest of my life called Coumadin. But the second surgery I had on November 15th of 2022. So just 13 months later. So I'm now about 10 months removed from that. It's September of 2023 today. Um, and I'm fully recovered. My sternum bone has fused back together. I have 10 steel ties. Of course, then they glue the skin and then they use stitches to bring the skin together and those go away. But um, now I'm, I'm extremely healthy. I've worked out um, in the last four days. I've lifted weights three times. I've run three miles once. So I work out. I'm stronger than I've ever been. Thank, thank the Lord. And it's hard to say we don't, you know, as as mortal men, we don't really understand all of God's ways. He doesn't reveal those to us. Um, but I know Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says he he know he knows the plans that he has for us and their plans of prosperity and not to harm us. Yeah, and to give us yeah. a hope in the future. So, one of I my that's probably that. my my favorite verse. Yeah, 
what a what an amazing verse. What a generous God that we worship that he would give us a verse like that. Yeah. Um and there's another verse, uh Ephesians, I think it's three twenty, that talks about how Jesus is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. I mean, just think about that verse. Jesus Christ, who's who I worship as a Christian, he's able to do in my life immeasurably more than all I can ever ask or imagine. I mean, that yeah. is such an inspiring thought to meditate on. So, you know, I think I don't know all the reasons why I've been through what I've been through in the last two years, uh, but I know that God's not done with me yet. Mm-hmm. He's got, um, he's got a long way to go with me in terms of sanctifying me and making me more like Jesus. So I'm grateful for that. And then the, the second thing I would say as a takeaway is I think God is very generous. And I think he, mm. I'm married. I've been married for 16 years. I have four kids, two sons, two daughters that are ages 12, 10, seven, and one. That's their little silhouettes behind my shoulder right here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, nice. So, you know, he, he has a plan and he's been very generous. He doesn't owe me anything uh, in terms of time on this earth. So I'm grateful that he decided to spare my life. And, you know, I hope that, um, I can use every moment that I have moving forward to make sure that I'm representing him well and giving glory to him in, in any way that I can. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, man. I, I appreciate your vulnerability. That resonates with me a lot because I, I have my own story. I'm not going to share it, but of, of going through a, uh, a life changing event where I almost died uh, two, almost three times in my life. And and wow. um i'm I'm not grateful that it happened to me, you know it's interesting. it's like uh things happen. We live in a really broken world, bad things happen all the time, and I think right. a lot of people unfortunately um like not knowing better could ask like it's easy to say why God why I've asked that um yeah, I think the better question is how can I respond to this what could I, what can I do with this that's right but, but so i'm not I'm not grateful that some of the terrible tragic things in my life happened around me or to me. Uh, but I'm so grateful that I get the chance to respond and say, how can I turn this into something good? What can I learn from this and how can I share this with others? And I mean, the, the reverence for life and the, and the urgency when when a a fire gets lit under you because you don't know how long you're on this earth for is, uh, you, you can't put a price on it, man. Yeah. And like, how does that, like for you, uh, like, how does that, how does that change how you show up? You know? to your family and your business. Like as, as yeah. someone who's super driven, who loves to work, put your nose to the grindstone. What does that, what does that do? Like, I don't know if I'm well, going to be here tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a, I'm not a recovering, uh, not a recovered, but a recovering workaholic. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, um, God is in the midst of probably a year long. I'm like in a wrestling match with him, kind of like Jacob was where I'm, he's trying to wrestle away my idol, my idolatry. Uh, and my mm-hmm. idol of workaholism. So, um, yeah, I mean, the Lord's, the Lord's working on me and saying, you know, it's time to give your wife a day out of the house on Wednesdays, you know, so she can have mom, mom's day out. Or, mm-hmm. um, I recently started a, a golf ball recycling business with my son, my 12 year old son. He and I go pick up golf balls every Monday afternoon from three thirty to five. And we, we get typically about a thousand balls and we bring them back to the driveway and we wash them off and clean them and package them and ship them. 
Uh, and so God. he's helping him start his first entrepreneurial endeavor, which is, I, I derive a lot of joy from that. Mm. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned in care camp, like I'm God's working. I mean, he's been working on me, but he's especially working on me this year and trying, trying to pull that idol away from me of wanting to be at the office 40 hours a week and mm. hustle and grind. And I'm just not in that phase anymore, you know? No. And how much more impactful are those few hours that you, you, I, I use the word sacrifice, not in a negative, yeah. but to, to allow, to empower your wife to go out and have that time creativity and to build up your son. It'd be easy to go to work. Think, well, I'm doing this for my wife and I'm doing this for my kids. And that's what we tell ourselves. Right. I'm doing this for my family. But that's at right. some point you got to pull back and actually be there for the family. So, yeah, well, my wife looked at me and she said, um, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. So it doesn't sound too callous, but, uh, she said, I don't want another X amount of dollars. And she put a number in there, but I'm just going to leave it out just for the yeah. podcast. But, um, when she said, we'll just say hundred thousand dollars, we'll, we'll just say that I don't yeah. want to, I don't need another hundred thousand dollars. I need you to be present. And so that gets to exactly what you're saying. Oh yeah. Yeah. I feel that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Talk about it. Talk about a gut punch. But, you know, she was exactly right. And there's a verse in um, first Peter three, seven that just says it's God charging husbands to um, be present with their wives. But the way the verse is worded, it says, you know, live with them in a considerate way. So when you live with someone in a considerate way, you have to think actively about their opinion and regard that opinion in a high regard and allow that opinion to change how you view things. So you start to view things the way they view things. So there's unity there. So yeah. um, that's a good, that's a good verse. If you're a Christian out there and you're interested in a Christian worldview, first Peter three, seven is a great charge to husbands. Yeah, that's man. I appreciate that insight. That's something good for me to meditate on and to think about. Yeah. Well, I hope yeah. that hits anybody listening, anybody watching this podcast. I know we covered a lot of ground. It's been a while since we did a long run like this, but I, man, Paul, I, I enjoyed our conversation. I appreciate you just, you know, being an open book. Um, we try to not have a podcast full of fluff and I think we, I, I know we delivered today. So I appreciate you yeah. doing that for our, our people. And, um, my yeah, pleasure. Some good, if you don't take anything away from this podcast, which I know you already have talking to agents, getting deals from agents, getting your Google business profile, um, man, that, that reverence for life, that urgency for life and just showing up for the people that matter, you know, it's all about mm -hmm. relationships. It comes full circle. That's right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Paul. Um, uh, I was going to say, where can people find you? You already left your cell phone number, anything else, anywhere you want people to find you? Yeah. If you want to get me, if you enjoyed the podcast and you'd like to reach out to me directly, and if I can be a resource to you in any way, I'd be more than happy to. And to, to stay consistent with the theme of relationships, I'm happy to share my personal cell phone. If, uh, if, if you want to reach out, if you enjoyed the episode, you can even just shoot me a text to say, Paul, love the episode with Brady. And, um, and if I can help you in any way, feel free to, to let me know. But my cell phone is 706-294- seven three four three and um had that number for 20 years not going anywhere so call, <laughs> call or text me anytime and uh i'd love to help you that's awesome all right thank you paul appreciate it we'll see y'all later right. see you guys thanks for having me